I'm Jess, and I'm happy to see you ladies this beautiful Thursday morning. You got a handout. Um, I really like the theme of handouts, so I decided to go along with that. Uh, This is a little different, so what you're going to find here is just the backbone of what the Lord put on my heart for our message. So uh, you'll see scripture verses relating to different verses in Colossians. Uh, This is really for you to take home and to be blessed by the Lord with um, just what he poured out. I'm not so much a commentary girl. I'm more of a scripture interprets scripture. So um, that's what you have here. You won't really use it throughout the study so much until we get down to the bottom where it says suffering in all its forms. And so we'll look at that later towards the end. Um, Have you been loving the book of Colossians? I've been loving it. As I've been praying for us, um, I've just been praying that this would become our favorite book in the Bible, that um, we would treasure it in our hearts for what it is, just this beautiful picture of who God is, who he says he is to us, and then what we do with that. Um, So let me pray, and then we'll get going. So Father God, thank you. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you for inspiring Paul to write down all these truths, Lord, that we get to read today. And thank you for these women in front of me who you love so, so very much. Lord, I pray they know that. I pray they walk in that and that they lay hold of your great, great love for them. Let me die to myself and live for you. Empower this message, Lord. Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I hope all of you were able to hear Murr teach last week. Um, A lot of what she said directly affects what we're doing this morning. So those foundational roots that were laid down about who Jesus is, um, is something we can't afford to miss. Our stakes are really high, ladies, our eternal destiny relies on the truth of who Jesus is. We have to know him. We have to live in him. And we need to preach him. So I'm going to start by reading our passage. So Colossians 1, 24. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end, I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. For I want you to know what a great conflict I, ha- conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea. That one's hard for me. And for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, 
that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. One second. So we're going to cover a lot of ground in the next 30 minutes. Paul has a lot to say in this passage. But there's really just one central idea within all of it. It's in verse 27 of chapter 1. Christ in you, the hope of glory. As I share, keep that in mind. Watch how what Paul says in this passage and what he says throughout the rest of the letter really hinges on the empowering that we have by being indwelt by the Holy Spirit who was sent to us by Jesus. In the Gospel of John, chapter 16, Jesus was speaking to the disciples the night before he was to be crucified. He tells them about the helper he will send after he returns to the Father. Jesus' message to them and to us. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears... He will speak. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Christ in you, Christ in me, that is our hope, and he is glorious. Lord, I pray that our eyes would be open, our hearts open, that we would see and hear this. So this is, I consider, somewhat of a transition passage. Paul has finished this humongous thought that we went through last week, and he's going into another one. We begin with doctrine, the truth of what we believe as Christians, who God is and what he says. I thought I got lost for a second, excuse me. So we learned in our study that Colossians can be divided almost perfectly in half. Chapters 1 and 2 are the doctrine that we were talking about, and chapters 3 and 4 are practical Christian living. That's not an accident. The Holy Holy Spirit inspired Paul um, to write this way because we cannot live practically for Christ without a firm grasp of who he is and what he says. We do, however, see... um, Paul began to pepper in some of this, therefore, of practical Christian living. The Because of this, we do this. So in chapter 1, verse 24, Paul says, I rejoice in my sufferings for you, filling up in my flesh the afflictions that are lacking of Christ for the sake of his body, the church. He's combined doctrinal, doctrinal truth with a therefore. 1 Peter 4, 12 through 14. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing has happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you 
partake of Christ's sufferings. That when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed. But on your part, he is glorified. What Paul is teaching in Colossians and what Peter declared is an echo of what Jesus has already said. And Peter heard him say it with his own ears. When we suffer in any form for the sake of Christ, Jesus is suffering too. He suffers with us. We partake in the sufferings of Christ. John 15 is one of my favorite chapters in all of scripture. Jesus, still speaking to the disciples there, begins with the vine and the branch imagery. Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. Just as we saw last week and here again, Jesus is the head and we are the body. It's the same basic concept with different imagery. Jesus goes on to tell us, abide in me and I will abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit without the vine, the body cannot function without the head. We must abide. Jesus laid down the model that Paul followed by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, this deep doctrinal truth first. Our abiding in Christ, and Christ abiding, dwelling inside of us at the moment of conversion. He goes on later in the passage to then provide a therefore, a because of what I have revealed. He tells the disciples that because they and us belong to Christ, because he's in us, we will be hated just as he was. Why? Because the world loves the darkness and hates the light, and we carry his light with us wherever we go. Because he is the vine, he is our source, he is the head, the authority over us. The servant is not above the master. What Paul is revealing about himself is that he understands this working together, this unity we now experience with Christ. And he desires that we understand it too. Remember his prayer? That we would be filled with the knowledge of his will for us, with all wisdom and spiritual understanding. What did Christ's sufferings produce? Our deliverance from the power of darkness and conveyance into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. But that's not even all. Um, Ephesians 1, 19 and 20 was in the first week of our Bible study knowing the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, the same power which God worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. How can I rejoice when I am reviled or mocked or abandoned because of Christ? How can I count it all joy When I fall into various trials, losing jobs, loved ones dying, husbands leaving, children abandoning the faith, unexpected diagnosis kind of trials, 
How can I look at my ugly circumstances and rejoice? Let's think about last week. Christ, the visible image of the invisible God, lives inside of you. Christ, who created all things and who all things were created for, lives inside of you. Christ, who is before all things and who holds all things together, is inside of you right now. That's something to rejoice about. He has rescued us from sin and death. He has promised us that death has lost its sting because he is the first in rank over those who rise from the dead. The power that God wielded to raise Jesus from the dead now lives inside of you and inside of me. We do not rejoice because of suffering. I've suffered hurt, pain, rejection, mocking, loss, heartbreak. No, we don't rejoice because of suffering. God knows how hard suffering is. Jesus, the man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, knows this so well. No, we rejoice in it, in the midst of it. We rejoice in spite of suffering. We rejoice in the goodness of the Lord that is displayed to us as a means of combat against the enemy who seeks to destroy us through our suffering. We rejoice in suffering knowing that it produces perseverance and perseverance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts. We rejoice knowing, as Paul brought out, that we are participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. We have unity with Christ in this as much as we have unity with him in being the branch abiding in the vine the body connected to and directed by the head. And we rejoice knowing that this is not our home. Jesus, our Savior, our Emmanuel, has gone to prepare a place for us so that where he is, we may be also. That's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let's look back at our text. We're going to move on to verses 25 to 29. I'm very thirsty. Paul was a minister, a preacher, an evangelist, and an apostle appointed by God. I am three out of four of those things, and so are each one of you. You might be thinking, wait, that's not my lane. I don't teach. I don't go out on the corner and evangelize. That's not me. But let's think about what Jesus said. Matthew 28, he said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So, If you're a mom, a grandma, an aunt, 
a sister, a wife, a friend, an employee. Basically, if you're still sucking air on this side of heaven, you are called to preach, minister, and evangelize. There are two areas of ministry that are nearest and dearest to my heart. Motherhood and friendship. If you are a mother to a two-year-old or a 32-year-old, this is your ministry. Always pointing your children to Jesus, modeling Christ to them, loving them sacrificially, and praying for them constantly. My own mother is a beautiful example of loving me with the love of Jesus. She faithfully prayed for me while I was wandering around lost in the world full of sin and death. She loved me and cared for me and always found a way to point me to the Lord. So my next one, friendship, it's, it's the best. <laughs> um, but let's be Jesus-loving and Jesus-sharing friends. Let's get together with our girls, take time to pray together, fellowship, and send texts with Bible verses. We need to be reaching out to one another in love and encouragement. After Bible study today, a lot of us each week gather in the courtyard for a little extra time together. Do that. Come hang out. I want to challenge you ladies, and I I challenged myself with this, to think about two friends. One that you haven't seen in a while, and one that doesn't know Jesus. Maybe that's one and the same person. I don't know. But pray for them this week. And then reach out to them with intention. Set up a lunch or a phone date and fellowship. Share Jesus. You can invite them to Bible study. Christ is in you. And he will be glorified through you as you minister his love to others. We've been given the greatest gift in all history. The only thing that's going to matter when anyone gets to the end of their life is who they say Jesus is. We can labor and strive in many directions and completely wear ourselves out. Why do I do that? How does that happen? Maybe it's because we're not asking God, who lives and breathes inside of us which way we should go and what we should do. I loved what Debbie taught us a couple of weeks ago. We need to pause and wait upon the Lord for an answer. We have access to all wisdom, all knowledge, all spiritual understanding. We really have no reason to wonder. We just need to ask and wait. So Paul's striving that he's talking about was a Holy Spirit-empowered kind His labor was empowered by the Holy Spirit. It was his calling. He was called to minister to the Gentiles the gospel of Jesus Christ, to teach and preach every man in all wisdom. We each are uniquely called to different places. But in all those places, whether it be your home, your workplace, or your local grocery store, the mission is the same as Paul's. Colossians 3.17, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So ladies, let's 
make our labor and striving Holy Spirit-empowered. Let's labor and strive to this end. We can get so caught up in the cares of this world that we lose the sight of the point. At least I can. This is not our home. Our bodies are only a tent. Our homes, our jobs, this life is passing before our very eyes. So let's not waste a precious minute of it in uselessness, but instead do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. So we're getting to the crowning glory of this section, verse 27. What empowers you and me to suffer well, to preach, to teach, and minister? To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. My heart thrills at the thought of this. Christ in me, this broken vessel. The king of kings in me. Who likes thrills? Who needs a thrill? Who wants a Jesus inside of me giving me all I need for life and godliness kind of thrill? I see one hand. (laughs) The Lord has impressed on me that we need to live and breathe this truth. If we are to suffer with rejoicing, if we are to minister to others, if we are to preach Christ, love one another, and be built up in the truth to combat lies, we must understand what it means to have the living God living inside of us and what his glory is. Lord, help us to embrace this truth of Christ living inside us in order to walk worthy of you, in order to be strengthened with all might according to your glorious power and in order to fulfill whatever ministry you have given us. So that mystery that Paul was talking about, hidden in ages past, and is now revealed. It's the good news of Christ crucified on our behalf, washing away our sins with his blood, rising from the dead, sitting down at the right hand of the Father in all of his glory, and making his home in our hearts through the person of the Holy Spirit, the moment we believe. That is our message of hope to those whom God has entrusted in our sphere of influence. I guess a little more water. So the Lord gave me or reminded me of this glorious picture from the book of Exodus. Another one of my favorites. I think I have a lot of favorites. So Exodus 13, 21 and 22. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way. And by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. So as to go by day and night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night before the people. So the Israelites were traveling through the wilderness. They had been rescued by God's mighty hand out of Egypt, and they are now headed to the promised land. They needed God to guide them. They were dependent upon him to find all the resting spots and places to set up camp along the way. They didn't know the way to Canaan. God had to show them. This mighty historical event, this miracle that God worked, 
is at work in you and I today. That pillar of cloud and that pillar of fire is called the Shekinah glory by Jewish rabbis. It means caused to dwell. You can find other places in the Old Testament where God reveals his Shekinah glory. They're listed in your handout, and I really recommend you look at them when you get home. So let's picture for a minute this huge pillar of cloud leading the people through the dry and dusty wilderness, providing not only direction, but shade from the sun. Then at night, it becomes this giant tower of fire that lights up the night and the campgrounds, a huge night light and warmth for the drastic temperature drop. That's how kind our God is. So that Shekinah glory now resides in each one of us. Picture God protecting you from the hottest part of your trials. See him guiding you to green pastures and still waters. Picture him warming your heart during lonely nights and shining the truth into the darkness that the enemy would use to deceive us. This next verse um, is not in your notes, so take it down because it's an important one. 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, Now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Ladies, the glory of Christ will have its fullest expression in us when we see him face to face. We will be like him. We will see him as he is. That's glory. That's hope. Like Paul said, truly, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Walking in full assurance and understanding of the fact of Christ in each of us changes everything. We have the power of the king of all things in us Now, so what's the hang-up? Why do I struggle? Why does my soul become cast down? I think for me, when that happens, and it's happened recently, I took my eyes off of Christ, my Lord. I've been in the midst of a very long trial, that has ebbed and flowed and changed, but it hasn't gone away. Recently, there have been major changes, upheaval in my life that's hurtful and stressful and hard. I began to sink under the weight of this thing, to lose my zeal and zest and energy I was like Peter when Jesus was walking on the water. Peter asked Jesus if he could walk on the water too. When Peter's eyes were fixed on Christ alone, he walked on the water. But when he began to look at the wind and the waves, 
he began to sink. Lord, help us. Help me not to fix my mind on the ever-changing circumstances, but instead to fix my gaze on you. We don't have to sink. We can walk on the water. Our walking on the water Savior resides in our hearts now. He will enable us to walk on the water with him through everything. So we're going to look now to Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Paul here reminds the readers again of his prayer for them. His great conflict on their behalf, was wrestling in prayer, was interceding for them before the Father. Let's be like that. I'm inspired by Paul's dedication and love for the body. How like Christ he was, who always lives to intercede on our behalf. The next part, what did it say? Their heart's being encouraged, being knit together in love, the Lord's heart is expressing his desire for all of us, that our hearts would be knit together in unity. We have unity toward one another because we all share in the unity of Christ. He is glorified in us and through us when we love one another, when we carry each other's burdens, when we pray for each other and serve one another. Our next to last, but really important point, we can and should have full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. How? Why should we? Christ lives inside of us, each of us, through the person of the Holy Spirit. Jesus promised that he would guide us into all truth and that he would glorify Jesus in us. As we read God's word, the Holy Spirit is preaching to us. He is teaching us. He is opening our minds to understand. If we are listening, are we listening? Are we taking time to slow down? Another beautiful Debbie-ism. Do we have our pen and papers ready? Taking notes, copying Bible verses, writing prayers, highlighting, circling, underlining. You can even draw a picture if you want to. As long as you are actively engaging in the word of God. If I don't write at least one thing down, I'm not going to remember anything I read. So, let's be women of the word. Our souls long for the spiritual nourishment of communing with the Lord. As we do this, the Holy Spirit enlightens our minds and gives us understanding. Ephesians 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. We lack nothing in Christ. We need only to lay hold of it. 
We need only abide in him, keep our eyes on him, surrender ourselves to his authority over us. Let's not forget that we have an enemy. The devil, the father of lies, prowling around like a hungry lion in search of who he may devour. The whole purpose for Paul writing this letter was because the church in Colossae was facing deception through persuasive words. And not much has changed. From the Garden of Eden all the way to this very day, the enemy will whisper or sometimes shout, Did God really say that? We must be sober-minded and vigilant against the lies of this world. Remember what Murr taught us last week? We need to armor up. We're in a war. We need to gird our waist with the belt of truth. What is truth? Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. In the next two weeks, we will be diving into the specifics of what the Colossians were facing. What are we facing today? What are you facing individually? Are there any lies that you have been giving ear to? That's an excellent place to go home and do some waiting upon the Lord with your Bible open, pen in hand, and paper ready. God, search our hearts. Try us. Show us if there's any lies in us, any wicked ways, and lead us in the way everlasting. So we need to take it all home. What can we carry out with us and live in each day? So that's when we finally refer to this. Your handout. Suffering in all its forms. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Making beauty from the ash heap. Ministry, preaching, and evangelism in whatever capacity God has called you. Christ in you, the hope of glory, empowering you to walk in his ways and fulfill his will for you and through you. Prayer, Christ in you, the hope of glory, prompting us to pray and teaching us what we ought to pray for. Love for the church family, Christ in you, the hope of glory, guiding us to love one another as he has loved us. Spiritual wisdom and understanding, Christ in you, the hope of glory, calling us to ask him to enlighten our minds. Deception, Christ in you, the hope of glory, the way, the truth, the life living inside of us, revealing truth as we abide in his word, giving us freedom from deception. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. I pray that the women of Calvary Vista would cause you to rejoice, that we would be rooted and grounded in you, that we would abide in you, that we would lay hold of all the spiritual blessings that you have given us in Christ. 
Lord, go before us. Hover over these groups. Reveal yourselves anew and afresh through our conversation. May we glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen.